Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Good morning, everybody, and God bless you. God bless you, whether you're watching in your jammies, in your, in your bedroom, whether you're watching around in the, in the community or around the country or even around the world. And speaking of around the world, uh, I'd like to give a special shout out to a friend of mine, Benson, who is a Trikana tribesman uh, who is watching from Kenya, Africa with some of his, uh, his intercessor prayer team. And, and so Benson, God bless you guys. God bless your ministry. And, uh, and thank you for praying for, for us and for, for Crossroads. God says in his word that his word will not return void. So I just want to thank you for what you're doing to, today and just, just applaud you for that because you're, you're positioning yourself in a place where you can hear the word of God and it's not going to return void. It's going to do something in your life. It's going to encourage you. It's going to inspire you. It's going to do whatever God wants to do in your life today. You know, there's, there's something called a paradox. And a paradox is when, when two things that seemingly don't go together somehow go together. And one of the biggest paradoxes that we face uh, in, our, in our life, especially as believers, uh, the, one of the most confusing ones, and certainly one of the ones that challenges our faith the most, uh, concerns prayer. And here's what it is, that most of us who are hearing my voice right now, you believe in God. And most of you believe that God is strong and powerful and amazing and awesome. And you also believe that God loves you, and you believe that, uh, that God has good plans for your life. You also believe that, that God is a, a God who answers prayer. I mean, you've seen it time and time again in your life, God answering prayers in your life or in somebody's uh, life that you, you love or, or care about. But here's the paradox. At the same time that we, we know and believe that, we've prayed for things and it seems like heaven is silent. We've prayed for the job and we haven't gotten the job. We've prayed for the, the wayward child and, and they haven't come home. We've, we've prayed for the person who is sick or, or in the hospital and instead of getting better, they've actually gotten worse. And, and what happens that when, when, we, when, when that happens? What do we do? How do we believe? How do we handle that? And I'm just going to talk about for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about when it seems like God doesn't answer prayer, when heaven is, is silent. And I'm going to give you the, 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 just the, the outline for the next two weeks right now. And here it is. First of all, if, if the, the prayer is wrong, God says no. If we are wrong, God says grow. If the, the timing is wrong, God says slow. And if everything's okay, then God says go. So if the request is wrong, God says no. And sometimes God says no because he has something better in mind. The Israelites, their prayer for, for generations was that God would send a political or a military deliverer, a political messiah. And God had better plans in life. He wasn't just wanting to, to, to free them from Roman occupation. He was wanting to free them from their sins. You know, several years ago, some of you know that I went through a major life crisis. And for those of you who have been through a major life crisis, you know the, the devastating effect it has on your, on your soul, your spirit, your emotions, your heart, everything like that. And I remember one time when I was going through one of the, the deepest, darkest times. Now, remember, I've been praying for something for, for a long, long time. 
And it seemed like heaven was silent. And instead of things getting better, it seemed like things even started getting worse and disintegrating worse. And I remember in one of my, my darkest nights, I called up a friend and I, I, said, I said these words. I said, you know, I, I'm not accusing God of doing anything wrong because I know he does and I know he never does anything wrong. But here's what I don't understand. I would not allow my child to go through this much pain. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, would you if you knew there was something better on the other side? And I thought for a second, I said, yeah, I'd do it then. And see, what I did not know at the time, but I look back, is, is that God had something even better in, in mind, that, that the reason God said no to one thing uh, and even allowed me to, to have a broken heart and even allow those prayers not to be answered is because he had something better on the other side. You know, many of you have come up to me and you, we've prayed for a job situation. We've prayed for something for, uh, for you. You wanted a, you, you, there was a job that you were looking for and you were going to have an interview that day or sometime that week and, and we prayed for that and, uh, and, and something that you came back, many of you came back and said, you know what, man, I didn't get the job. I didn't get the job that I was, I was looking for. But you, you came back even a few days later sometimes, even the next day for one, and, and sometimes weeks later and said, you know what, God gave me an even better job than I was hoping for. And thank God that he didn't give me this job because if he gave me this job, I wouldn't have this job that he was in better for my, situa my situation. And the point is this. God is never going to say yes to us over here if it means saying no to something that he has better for us over, over here. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine a, one of your children coming up to you and saying, and saying, Mom, Dad, could we go to Carowinds on the 10th of, uh, of August? And you looking at them saying, I'm sorry, uh, we're not going to be able to go to, to Carowinds on the, on the 10th. And they're like so disappointed in everything. But here's the, here's the thing. You're saying no to Carowinds on the 10th because you know that that whole week you're going to be surprising them and taking them to, to Disney World for that whole week. So you can't say yes to Carowinds on the 10th if, uh, because you're going to be saying something to something way better on the, the, the rest of the week. Now imagine your child coming up to, to you and saying this. Imagine your child saying, you know what, Mom, I don't understand Dad, I don't understand why you said no to this, but here's what I know. I know you love me, and I know you care for me, and I know you want the, the best for me, so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that what you have in mind for me is something even better than what I had in mind. Can you imagine that? I mean, first of all, we'd have to, you'd have to, you know, somebody would have to pick you up off the ground and give you a defibrillator to start your heart back again. Here's the thing. We need to settle this issue in our, our life, in our understanding, in our soul. First of all, is God a good God? Does he love us? Does he want the best for us? Because until we settle that issue, our life is just going to be up and down all the time, especially our prayer life. We're going to be, hey, God, answer the prayer. God didn't answer the prayer the way I wanted him to or thought he should, and, and I'm so confused and I'm so hurt, and God answered the prayer and up. But if we truly believe that God loves us, that God has the best for, for us, and that God is a good God, that even in the times that we don't understand, we're going to be able to trust God through those times. You know, a biblical example of, of sometimes that God does answer the prayer, but maybe not in the way that we were hoping uh, or expecting him to, was Paul. Now, Paul was this amazing man of prayer, and the biggest desire of his life was to, was to go to, to Rome to preach the gospel. 
Can you imagine him having visions about going and preaching in the, in the Colosseum to a, to a, a full crowd or to, to see Emperor uh, Nero saved? I'm sure he had thoughts of that, and, and his desire was to go there to, to preach the, the gospel. The good news is he got to Rome, but he, I guarantee you, did not get to Rome the way he thought he was going to get to Rome. He probably was hoping to get to Rome on, you know, the, the, the love boat or, you know, a carnival cruise or, a, or the, a Disney cruise or something like that or just a good boat to get him from one side to the other. But here's how he got there. First of all, he was falsely accused by his religious leaders and, and arrested. Then there was a contract put out on his life. And then he had to go from prison to prison for a, for a time while awaiting trial. And then he was finally put on a boat to Rome, and it had a, there was a shipwreck. And he ended up being a couple of months, a few months on, a, on an island. Then finally he gets to Rome, and while he's in Rome, he is put under, under a guard. He's at a, at a house arrest with a guard. I guarantee you that is not the way he pictured it. I guarantee you that Paul wasn't going, this is working out exactly the way I thought and hoped it would come out. See, Paul wanted to get to Rome in order to, to preach. But God wanted him to get to Rome in order to write. When he was under house arrest, he had a lot of time on his hand. And what did he do? He wrote some books that we're probably familiar with. He wrote the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Books that have really had a huge effect on my life and probably yours and have transformed the world. See, Paul wrote several books of the New Testament while he was there. And what we can look back, and we can look at from our vantage point, we can see that, that God could do a lot more through Paul writing the books in the New Testament than what he could do in just preaching a few sermons to a few thousand people. Paul's biggest desire of his heart, the biggest desire of his life, was to reach people for Jesus Christ, to have an impact on the world and train and equip people in that way. And Paul thought the best way that he could possibly do that was to preach some sermons. And God knew the best way for that to happen was for him to write the New Testament that would reach not only just a few thousand people then, but generation after generation and millions upon millions and even billions of people. See, God's ways are not our way. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord's. As the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We will never fully understand what God is doing in our life, but we can rest assured why God is doing it. He is doing it because he loves us and because he's good and because he wants the best for our life. You know, God loves us too much to answer some of our prayers. As parents, we, we answer and say yes to a lot of the things that our kids say, but some things that they say and ask for, we say no to because we love them too much. You know, when your, your little, little child is, is crawling around, you will not let them eat everything they want to, to eat because what they want to eat is bugs and worms and Legos and things like this, anything they can find on the floor. You do not let your four-year-old play with anything they want to play with because they would want to play with knives and matches and they'd love to play in the middle of the street. You don't let your six-year-old stay up as late as he or she wants because you know that there would be heck to pay the next day in their life and in your life. 
You don't let them do whatever they want to do and, and be wherever they want to be and watch whatever they want to watch. Not because you don't want them to have a good time, not because you don't love them, but because you do love them. And you know, they don't understand that because they're young. They don't understand why you would say no because things seem perfectly reasonable to them. But you know from your vantage point and your experience that by saying yes to them, it would actually hurt them. I love the story about the, the young pastor who had a, a new congregation and uh, and he said this, during the usual chaos of setting up for worship, I heard one of my parishioners complain about back pain. Just before the service, his wife explained that Jack was recovering from surgery. During the pastoral prayer, Jack's name came to my mind, and I asked God to help him recover from his surgery, and don't miss this, to restore him to full function. I heard some gasps and some muffled laughter I found out after the service that Jack's surgery was a vasectomy. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer some of our prayer? You know, there was uh, times when, uh, when I did a prayer journal, and, and I would write my prayer request on one side, and then I would write on the other side the ways that God answered that prayer. I look back at that a couple of years later, and first of all, I was just astounded how faithful God is to prayer. Not only answered, but answered in just ways that were far better than I could have ever asked or imagined. But there were some uh, that I look back on, and there were a few, and not that many, but that, that weren't answered. And some of those I could look back and say, God, I still don't understand why you didn't answer that prayer. On this side of heaven, I may never know. But there were several that prayers that went unanswered the way I wanted them to be answered that I looked back and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for not answering those prayers. Because if you would have said yes to that, you would have said no to, had to say no to these other things that would have been far better in my, in my life. And how many of you can, can relate to the great theologian Garth Brooks and look at God and say, God, thank you so many times for unanswered prayer in my life? You know, another thing is uh, some prayer requests are just inappropriate. I remember when I, was, when I was five years old, I asked my mom if I could have a pet lion. And you're not going to believe what my mom said. My mom actually said no. Now, everybody knows that every five-year-old should have a pet lion, right? I mean, I was astounded that she said no to, to that and thought my mom was a big meanie. And what I didn't realize is mom knew a whole lot more than in my immaturity that that request, it wasn't an evil request. It wasn't a bad request. It was just an inappropriate request that wasn't good at that time. You know, see if you can see a problem with James and John's request from the Bible. This comes from Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 51. At the as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Now get the picture. The disciples were snubbed from, an, uh, from a Samaritan village. But what their thing, what they wanted to do is they wanted to fry the, the people. They got their nose bent out of shape, and they wanted to call their request, their prayer was to destroy, for God to destroy that Samaritan village. Now, how do you think Jesus, knowing the heart of Jesus, how he responded to that? Here's what he said. But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and, said, and then they went to another village. Jesus basically saying, guys, I did not come here to fry people. I came here to free people. I did not come here to singe people. I came here to save people. I did not come here to barbecue people. I came here to, to, to bless people. And sometimes we can ask some stupid requests of God, can't we? How about, God, 
can you have Cindy get a whole lot of zits so that, that Kevin will like me more than her? Or how about how many, a lot, let's hear it, sports fans. How many sports fans, how many have ever prayed for God to have the other team miss a field goal in football or miss a free throw in basketball? Come on, be honest. I mean, confession is good for the soul, isn't it? So we've prayed some crazy prayers. And, and let me ask you this. How many have ever prayed for God to fry somebody? And you maybe didn't say those words, but you said, God, let their get, them get their comeuppance. At least you thought that as you're praying that. God, God, pour out, you know, what, what's coming to them. Oh, and by the way, God, at the same time you do that for them, forgive me of all my sins and bless me, bless me, bless me, God. Can you see how sometimes our requests are very selfish and very self-centered? Sometimes our requests are just totally material, materialistic. And don't be surprised if sometimes God doesn't answer the request if it's inappropriate. If the request is wrong, God says no. If we're wrong, God says grow. You know, any coach will be honest with what's happening, what the, their players are doing wrong in order so they can do, do things better. A coach will be honest and say, you know what, the reason you're not playing more is because you're not playing good defense. Or the reason you're not making your threes is, is you're shooting flat and you're, not, and you're not following through. And in the same way, there are some biblical reasons that God gives why sometimes our prayers aren't answered. And as a pastor who loves and cares about you, what kind of pastor would I be if I don't share some, uh, some of those? And the truth is, a lot of times it's easier for us to just blame God and say, well, God doesn't care about me or God, God doesn't answer prayer or prayer doesn't work instead of taking a look in our life and seeing, are there some things that I'm doing that are hindering my prayer life? And the first thing is, what are some of the things that hinder prayer? The first one is disharmony with, uh, with others. Listen to this incredible promise that God gives. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's an amazing promise. But, but then you have to read that there's a caveat to that. He says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them also, so your heavenly Father may forgive your sin. According to this verse, there's a direct correlation between God hearing our prayers for forgiveness and us forgiving other people. You know, I grew up in a generation when uh, my friends and I used a, a lot of fireworks. We played with a lot of firecrackers. And one thing we discovered is if you throw a firecracker in the water, instead of it going boom, it goes psst. And the same thing, if we're holding a grudge, if, we're, if there's unforgiveness in our, in our life, if there's a bad relationship between us and another person, a lot of times instead of our prayers going boom, they will just go, they will just go psst. And make no mistake, our horizontal relationship has a big influence on our vertical relationship as well. And if we're, if we're discovering that your prayers, it seems like you're just going, Psst, maybe we need to take a look inside of our heart and say, am I nursing a grudge? Is there somebody I need to forgive? Is there a relationship that I need to, uh, to, to heal? Because one big thing is disharmony in the home. Have you ever had a spat with your spouse or your kids or your parents and then tried to pray? How well did that work out? You know, the Bible says this in 1 Peter 3. It says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Grant them honor so that your prayers won't be hindered. I mean, it's so that your prayers won't be hindered. Now, we know that he was talking to the dudes then, but that same passage could go with the ladies as well. It could go wives. Live with your husbands in an understanding way. Honor them so that your prayers won't be hindered. The principle is this, that how we treat our spouse can influence our, our, our prayer. And the principle applies to children as well. 
Here's from Ephesians. It says this, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on this earth. Don't miss this. The blessing that you receive as children, the blessing that you receive in your, in your life, that it's contingent on how well you're honoring your parents or dishonoring them. And the thing is, God loves unity. And whenever there's dis, dis, disunity, there's a problem that happens. And you think about a hose, and a hose can have this incredible flow, but if you put a kink in the hose, it stops that. And that's what disunity does. But the good news is as long as there's some, some reconciliation and everything, it's like opening that thing up again, and it can be a fire hose once again. Now, there may be somebody here that says, man, I've tried. I've tried and tried and tried and tried. I've forgiven that person, and I've tried to reconcile with that person. They just won't be reconciled. Well, there's a, a passage in the Bible straight for you that's, that's Romans 12 that says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. All we can do is what we can do. We can't make somebody love us. We can't make somebody forgive us. David was an incredible man of prayer who God heard his prayers, but he had a, a bad relationship with King Saul. But he tried. It wasn't because he didn't try. It was because Saul was a, a jerk. And so listen to this promise. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. When we have harmony and unity, bam. When we have disharmony, psst, our prayers can be snuffed out. Another problem sometimes is that our motives can be wrong. James 4 says this, You have not because you ask not. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. You know, this passage is very enlightening because it tells us two things. First of all, it says the reason we don't have is because we don't ask. That's probably the biggest reason we don't have an answer to our prayer is we're not asking about specific things. You know, there was a time when my, my mentor, he would, he would read his Bible through every year and he'd write in the Bible and all the notes and everything like that, and then he would give that to one of his, uh, his students. And I came up to ask him one time, I said, I said, why haven't you given me one of your Bibles? And he looked at me and said, why haven't you asked? And I said, all right, I want your next Bible. And I have his next Bible. Sometimes we have not because we ask not, but other times our motives are misguided. Sometimes it's just us. If, it, if life is just us, us, me, 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 maybe some of the requests will not be, be given because God doesn't want to raise spoiled brat any more than we want to raise spoiled brats. Sometimes the problem is lack of faith. I've been told that for a, a, a diabetic, the problem isn't that they don't have sugar in their blood. The problem is, is that sugar isn't getting to the cells that are starving for it. It's only a, a hundredth of a micron away, and yet the sugar is not getting in. It needs a catalyst like insulin to go from here to here. In the same way, we have a God who loves to answer prayer and a God who is so good and so loving over here. And we are, are, are people who desperately need our prayers to be answered. But there's a, a catalyst that, that a lot of times is necessary to go from here to here, and that's the, the, the catalyst of faith. Time after time, God gives a direct correlation between, between faith and the answer to, to prayer. Here's one in, in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, 
Not only can you do what was done to this tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done for you. If you believe, you can, will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Matthew 9, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David, have mercy. When they had gone indoors, the blind men came up to him and he asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they said. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? Mark chapter 6, Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor. He could do no miracles among them because of their lack of faith. And now sometimes we go, wait, time out. There are people who have tremendous faith, perfectly enough faith, and yet their prayers are not answered. And a, a biblical example of that would be, would be Paul. Paul had so much faith that he, he could heal the sick, he could raise the dead. If there was a Heisman Trophy given for, for faith, he'd have won it year in and year out. And yet in, uh, in Corinthians, we hear him praying to God three times about something that he called a thorn in his flesh. Please take it away, God. And God said, no, I have a purpose for that. In Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, the chapter of faith, it's, it's the hall of fame of people of faith. And yet so many of them, several of them, did not receive some of the things that they asked for, some of the things they asked for in prayer. Jesus Christ, the ultimate man of faith, was praying in the, the garden, and he prayed three times for the cup of the cross to be taken away from and God said, no, because I can't save the world and answer that prayer at the same, at the same time. You know, one time when my mom was sick and dying of cancer, we saw so many answers to prayer. God did miracle after miracle. And yet, I, I remember a couple of times in two different times that somebody came up to my mom and said, if you just had enough pray, uh, faith, you'd be healed. And I know they meant well. I really do. They wanted the best for my mom, but I really wanted to say to them, if you just had enough faith, you could pray for my mom and she would be healed. But here, with that being said, I really believe that if we prayed more with faith, we'd see more miracles and we'd see more prayers being answered. And here's the good news. The Bible says all we need is a mustard seed of faith, smallest thing possible, and things that we pray for we'll see happen. So pray with faith. If there's a kink in the hose, unkink it the best you can as far as it depends on you. And settle the issue. Settle the issue that God is a good God, that God does love you, and God wants the, the best for you. So that when prayers aren't answered the way we hope they are or in the timing that we want them to be, and we're going to be talking about timing a lot next week, we can still trust God and say, God, I may not understand, but what I know is you love me, you want to answer prayer, and you want the best for me. So let's be people of prayer. Let's be people of faith. God bless you. I love you. Have an awesome week. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads Podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.